0: So welcome, everybody, to uh, the first meeting for the new school year. Uh, Welcome to our August 2021 uh, Google Educator Group of Ohio meeting. This is a usually monthly meeting. Uh, We don't do much in in the summertime, but uh, during the school year, typically a monthly meeting where we take a look at everything new in uh, Google from the last month share some Google tips and tricks, and answer questions related to using Google tools in school. Uh, Howdy, everybody. My name is Eric Kurtz. I'm a tech integration specialist um, up at the Stark County Educational Service Center, Um, and uh, I am joined today, um, as always, by uh, Stephanie, and John is with us today as well. So, Stephanie, why don't you introduce yourself real quick?
1: Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Howe. I'm an instructional technology coach in Pickerington, Ohio, Um, hoping everyone had a nice, relaxing summer. We've missed you. John, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself?
2: Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is John Mansell-Platel, and I am supervisor of the Professional Learning Group uh, with Northern Buckeye located in Archbold, Ohio. And hello, everyone, and welcome back to another school year. Thanks so much
0: for joining us today, and I appreciate you guys uh, being here to to share all these wonderful uh, resources and ideas. Uh, speaking of resources, all of the resources for today's meeting can be found in our Google Doc Editable Agenda. Um, and you can find this a couple of ways. Uh, you can get to it from the GEG Ohio website, which is at bit.ly slash GEG Ohio. If you head out to that site, um, you'll be able to access the agenda document there. Um, the site looks like this. And on the GEG Ohio website, uh, there's a section there for monthly meetings. If you follow the link to the monthly meetings, it'll have uh, listed there the the dates for each of the meetings. And for each meeting, there will be a link to the live video, which you're watching now, but also the agenda. And so that's a way to get to that. Um, I can also put that link into the chat for those that are here, I'll just drop that into the YouTube chat. For those that are with us live, I realize some folks are going to be watching this recorded later. And so um, you can always get to this agenda document through the GEG Ohio site again at bit.ly slash GEG Ohio. That'd be probably the easiest way to get there. But for those watching live, I have uh, dropped that in. Oh, yep. And yes, Dan is saying we need to fix the date <laughs> on the sign-in. You know, Dan, we're, we're just a little bit out of... Uh... <laughs> out of practice. (laughs) We're still in summer mode. I will fix that as we get to that. Uh, Speaking of which, so yes, so this is the agenda document that we would encourage you guys to uh, open up and uh, follow along as we work through our meeting today it is editable so you are allowed to fill things in this as well for example there's a section here with upcoming events maybe you know about a conference or a training coming up soon that we shall be aware of uh, there's a section further down here for show and tell where we share cool resources there's a community show and tell section where you can put some resources in there uh, anything you'd like to share and there's a QA section if you got questions that you'd like to throw out to the whole group. Um, but as one of the uh, first things that we probably should mention in here under the important links is the sign-in form, which I'm sorry, you're right. I, I did not. Uh, uh, sorry about that. I did not update the date on that. So while we're chatting here, I'm going to fix that for us right now. So let's put in today's date, August 26, 2021. And again, thanks for catching that and letting me know. Uh, So yes, if you scroll on down to page two of the agenda under important links, there's a sign-in form here. Uh, This is what I use to (coughs) generate the certificates of attendance for the meetings. So if you would take a moment to fill in your name and address and where you're from. And of course, now the correct date (laughs) is in there. Uh, That would be fantastic. Uh, Helps us be able to report uh, numbers to Google as to how many people attend the meetings, but also for us to give you certificates of
2: attendance.
0: Um, And that's it. So we're going to go ahead and dive on in uh, to our meeting here. We absolutely encourage you to participate either by typing into the agenda itself or by using the chat in YouTube for those that are joining us live. Any questions or comments, please uh, share those there. So the first thing, um, we got the welcome and introductions out of the way. We talked about signing in. we will remind you guys that we do have a, um, a Google group uh, that you can join. And I haven't updated the, the member count yet, so it might be more than that. Wonder if this will tell me real quick how many members we have in the group. Oh, 1102. Oh, awesome. So let's let's update that. How about that? Good job, everybody. So uh, we now have over 1,100 members in our Google group. Uh, this is something if you haven't joined, I would encourage you to consider joining this email distribution group. Uh, The directions are in here as to how to join that group, just a great way to stay plugged in in between the meetings. If you've got a question or something to share. Hey, there's over a 1000 people there uh, that you can reach out to and connect with. It's a great way to stay plugged in in between our meetings Um, and then Our next section here uh, is any upcoming events. Now some of these may be a little bit more Ohio-centric, although not necessarily. So many things are virtual now that there's a lot of ways you can participate. Um, I I have a couple of things that I can mention real quick on here, and then uh, John and Stephanie, if you know more about some of these other things in here and want to mention them, that's great. Could have been these got added by other people as well, Uh, but what I'll mention the upcoming events is I'm doing a webinar in a couple of weeks. um, And I do have a link in here uh, for that with all the information. So on September 9th, so about two two weeks away from now, I guess. Um, I'm going to be doing a webinar on um, creating automated certificates with Google tools. Um, this is not necessarily a, a new topic. I'm sure it's something that a lot of people have wrestled with over the years is what's an easy way to be able to take attendance for you know an event or a, a meeting or a training and be able to send out uh, a certificate afterwards for folks. Um, I recently have been working on um, making something that's a little bit more user-friendly, um, combining lots of different tools, Autocrat and Form Ranger and docs and Sheets and slot and, and, and forms. Um, and so what I've done is I've put together sort of a self-contained um, system that it can be copied and applied and used really with any organization and so in this webinar what i'm going to do is run through an example of what it looks like what the final product looks like looks like and then show you how to make copies of all the different pieces of it and to customize them to work for you so if you're in charge of you know meetings uh, trainings uh, events and you want to be able to easily take attendance and generate certificates for folks um, that's what that webinar is going to be focusing on. So anybody is welcome to attend that if you would like. And then the other thing I'll mention from the upcoming events is uh, we just had our Spark Conference. Um, so where I work at the Stark County ESC, it's also uh, this uh, i work for spark technically but usually i just say the stark county esc since uh nobody knows what spark is <laughs> but spark is the spark stark portage area computer consortium so uh spark is technically the the branch that that i work for here um we just did our edtech conference back on august 6th um, and it was virtual uh, of course as many of them are uh, we had over a hundred sessions and um they they're all recorded so you can um, Uh, watch those, we're going to have those online think through the end of October, I think is what we decided uh, to have those available for people. Um, there's uh, recorded live sessions and then pre-recorded sessions as well. The recorded live sessions, I think there's like 30 of those. And so if you follow the link out there to the conference website, yep, yeah, there you go. So you see, these are, these are the ones that we did live on that day. There's five different uh, time slots where we had like five or six per time slot. And in each case, you can just watch the recorded video now um, for those. And then the other one was the pre-recorded sessions, which we also had some people that couldn't be with us live that day, but they were so kind to send in recordings ahead of time. And I think there's like about 70 of those. So all together, there's over a hundred sessions. And every one of these, has you know the video link to watch the video a resource document and an option to get a certificate of completion for those so take advantage of those and stephanie i think you've you've got and john as well didn't you both you both did something for that stephanie what was the one you did was it youtube related?
1: yeah mine was on youtube and using it in the classroom and the session was a lot of fun but the spark conference was amazing so thank you so much for organizing that eric
0: Oh, absolutely! And then, John, you did you do one on uh,
1: Teacher Made? Maybe I
0: did
2: one on Teacher Made, and I had yeah. Katie from uh, San Diego um, helped me to record that. And uh, yeah, it's, if you want to learn about TeacherMade Made uh, as an alternative um, tool for digitizing your worksheets, um, check it out.
0: That's awesome. I really appreciate you guys being a part of it. That's what made the conference valuable was having folks like you share your expertise. So uh, definitely take advantage of those recordings uh, in the meantime.
1: Do you guys know anything about the other stuff
0: listed here? If not, that's okay.
1: I know O'Callie's probably star um, because she is such an advocate for students with disabilities. Um, so, that conference is coming up um, if you're focused on that. And I think, too, think about adaptive technology and how that can help those students. So, maybe think if you do want to go to that, that could be a really good conference. Um, and then the next one is ITIP, um, which is crazy because it's not until May, but it says registration and call for proposals is coming soon. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Well, that's good to see that uh, we're going to be back with the Ohio Google Summit. Uh, I've kind of missed that as well as many conferences here uh, over the last year, year and a half. Um, It looks like we are going to be back. And um, are we in Kalahari? Are we back or in Columbus this year? I think we may be back in Kalahari for it uh, this time around. So we'll see. Uh, But info to come, it sounds like. So that's encouraging. All right, well, if you guys know of any other um, events that should be listed, again, this is an editable document. You're allowed to go ahead and add things to this. So please feel free to um, add additional resources if you know of other webinars or trainings or things coming up. All right, well, let's get into uh, the main portion of our meeting, which is what's new in Google. Uh, Each month, we try to look back over all the new things that Google has released. since our last meeting? Well, it's been a little while. Our last meeting was May. So we've had June, July, and August (laughs) since then. Well, that's a lot of stuff. So we're not going to go through every single update here. That's just way too much things. So what I tried to do was uh, pick some things that I thought were maybe some of the highlights and bolded those in here. So the ones that are in bold, those are the ones that we're going to be taking at least a moment to talk about each of those. If there's something here, though, that we don't cover, the links are all available. So every one of these updates, you'll see a resource link that will take you out to that blog post um, or whatever information uh, that that connects to. And if there's something that you're curious about that we're not talking about, let us know. Throw it in the chat, in the YouTube chat, or put it in the Q&A, or just... Add a comment over here on the side if you want to leave, you know, feedback on something uh, that would be that would be fantastic. So let's go ahead. We'll, we'll jump on in. I'll, I'll kick us off with with the first one here and then we'll just kind of jump back and forth. And uh, between Stephanie and I and John at any point, feel free to uh, jump in and share some of uh, your thoughts on these Um, So the first update from way back at the start of June is just kind of a fun one. And that is always a good thing uh, to have some fun things added in. And that is new fonts for docs and slides. So uh, Google is always adding new fonts to uh, their collection of web fonts. Uh, I don't know when it was recently, it passed a thousand fonts. And I think now we're up to even more than that. But there was a a neat blog post here letting us know that 60 new fonts got added in to Google Fonts. There's a list here showing you, highlighting what those those 60 new fonts were. Um, If you aren't familiar with accessing all of the web fonts that are available, in the Google tools, keep in mind you can always do that just by going up to the font menu and then clicking on more fonts, which will let you see all of the available fonts there. You can search and you can narrow down by different types of fonts to find what you look for. What I have enjoyed, though, a lot of times is just going out to Google's fonts website, which is that fonts dot Google.com. and if you go out to fonts.google.com it's the same list of fonts uh, 1094 fonts uh, but what's nice is that you can come in here and you can type in the phrase that you want so if we wanted to, you know google educator group and we're looking for maybe a cool font to make you know a, a logo for our group we could put in our custom text And then say, you know what, I'm just looking for, you know, some display fonts and I'm looking for font properties where maybe it's a thicker font and you can make all these adjustments and what it will do is narrow down to the ones that match the particular criteria you're looking for. And then once you take note of that font, head back over to Docs or Slides or you know drawings or Sheets or whatever you're using, and then you can add that font in through the Fonts menu. So uh, always great to see uh, new fonts being added in there so that students and teachers can express their creativity a little bit more, customize things. Good stuff.
1: I always Um, love when a new font comes out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of a fontophile myself. Uh, good stuff. All right. Well, hey, what's up? What's up next year, Stephanie?
1: So next we have replaced your background with video. Um, so before there was just the image that you could add to a Google Meet background. And now you can have those like video GIFs um, type of movement happening in during your Google Meets. Um, I've used it once but I haven't used it since.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have not either. I used, you're right. I used it once as well. I fired it up just to make sure it worked, um, uh, but have not had an occasion to to use it since then. And hopefully they'll add more. There's only a few, right? There's only a couple. Yeah. There's um,
1: only a couple in there right yeah. now. Um, and I think once they allow the customized ones, that could be really cool as you're trying yeah. to explain different things happening. Um, you could have that as your background, but you kind of have, I think, a couple. So like this party one is one of those options. I think there's a school one. I can't remember what else is there.
0: Yeah, a classroom party and Forest.
1: Yep, the Forest.
0: Yeah. And I think over the last few months, they've now got this working on mobile as well. I think at first it may have just been web, but I've seen updates coming out saying, you know, this now works on mobile as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Good stuff. Um, we'll probably see a lot of Meet things throughout today. I have a, I have a feeling that this will not be the last update about Google meet. Um, I did see, um, thanks to Jennifer in the chat, she was talking about, uh, fonts and she mentioned one of her favorite fonts was railway dots. If you're not familiar with that particular, uh, font, uh, here it is railway dots and, uh, She said that it's great for making traceables. So this is a a dotted font and uh, and that can be used if you're creating um, a traceable activity. Fun. Nice. Thanks for thanks for suggesting that. I think that would be a real fun thing to do sometime is just really dive into. It's been years since I've done that. Uh, years ago, I had gone through the fonts and picked out some of my favorites. But now with over a thousand of them, it would be a good time to revisit and find some really uh, useful fonts in there. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's keep on going. Let's see what our next topic is. Uh, da, da, da. next down. Here we go. Invite uh, event invitees uh, will soon be able to RSVP with their join location, indicating whether they'll be joining a room uh, in person or remotely. So I think this is really neat the way that, uh, you know, Google is adapting their tools to this new hybrid type of environment that we find ourselves working in. This particular blog post covers a lot of stuff, but if you go down far enough in it, there's a spot. Here we go. And this is where it talked about that. I'll open this image up so you can see it a little bit better there. Um, That when we create calendar events, one of the options when you say, yes, I'm going to be going to this event is instead of just saying, yes, I'll be there, the ability to indicate how you're going to join the meeting. Because I think that's going to be more common to say, okay, we've got this meeting. We are meeting in this conference room. But for those who can't attend in person, we're also going to be running it as a Google Meet. And this way, people could say, yep, I'm actually going to be there in the meeting room. Or nope, I'm, I'm working from home that day. I'll be joining virtually. Um, so I think that's, that's a nice option to have that availability. That way, you're not as confused about who all is showing up in person and who is joining remotely. I like that. Good stuff. All right. What's up here next, Stephanie?
1: Next up, we're going to be talking about Be Internet Awesome, um, which if you're not familiar with it, it's a really cool program to help students learn about digital citizenship and how to kind of behave online. And they are adding 11 new lessons um, to their curriculum. And yeah, so there is like the overview that Eric had up. He's kind of showing where it's at and where it's located. And it's kind of game-based. So your students get on and they do these different games. Uh, Maybe it's on passwords. And so they go to that inner land and they play all these different games to try to learn about digital citizenship. And also with that, they're adding some um, resources and tools for families, which I feel like families, we kind of. For You know, we get busy and we kind of leave them sometimes out of that equation. And so having a resource, maybe you explain password safety with your students and talking about creating that very difficult password. Um, And then you send home resources so that the parents can continue that conversation with the students.
0: Awesome. Very good. So that, yeah, internet BNR awesome has been around for quite a long time. And that's great to see this up 11, 11, new lessons and more and more resources. I know it's been a few years since there's been an update a few years ago, they added um, a bunch of slideshows with Pear Deck embedded in them that you could use. Uh, but this is great that they have expanded out, have expanded out the lessons. Good stuff. All right. Next up, um, uh, as we said, we probably see a lot of Google Meet popping up as we talk about things here today. Improvements to the hand raising feature in Google Meet. Um, now, I'm not sure what all has rolled. Sometimes I'm not always sure what's rolled out yet. looks like this one should be out by now. Yes. Yeah. So this one started in uh in June, with the rollout here, um, but the uh, the idea was to try to improve some of the. Uh, features related to the hand raising feature inside of Google Meet. Um, And so what we'll have is a a more improved visual icon to pop up right on the person's tile. So we know, hey, that's the person who has who has raised their hand uh, an audio notification for when the hand is raised. Um, And then I thought this was cool the participant's hand will automatically be lowered after they speak. So when that person unmutes and says something, uh, Meet will pick up the fact that, oh yeah, you actually did say something. And so it'll automatically lower their hand. So again, just want to make sure that when people are in meetings that they feel like they have a voice that they can contribute. And uh, so some nice updates to the hand raising feature that is built into Google Meet. Good stuff. And then my tabs here. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Then that is really cool that it will hear your voice and then lower your hand. Wouldn't that be nice in the classroom too? Like that's what (laughs) happens is kids lower their hands as they're being called on. So I just love that. Uh, The next one is Google Arts and Culture. So Google Arts and Culture is a really cool website. If you've never seen it, Um, it has a lot of different museums. It's got different stories that are on there. And then they have also these like experiments. And so right here, there's two experiments and I might make Eric play. Uh, The first (laughs) one is paint with music. And he's going to go ahead in and it's going to have sound while you're painting. And so there All we right. go. Which yeah. one did you pick? The Well,
0: that's, let's see. It's still loading it up. The little thing is spinning there. So it's still pulling it up. Here it comes. All right. Looks I was like-
1: doing the underwater one. So we've today. got
0: sky, underwater, street, and paper. You were doing underwater? Sure. We'll grab yeah. underwater. And so the idea is we can choose instruments at the bottom. We've got Mm -hmm. a flute, a saxophone, a trumpet, and a violin, or a whale stamp. Nice. And then um, I guess the idea is we draw on the screen, and the higher we draw, we can even show the notes. The higher we draw, the higher the note, and the lower the lower the note. So let's see. Uh I will. And it has nice
1: music as you're drawing.
0: And then I can add in other instruments here. (laughs) How nice. (laughs) Awesome. So, yeah, so basically, we're combining art with music. That is so creative. That is really neat. And we can share our masterpiece that we end up creating there. Cool. Yeah, so I, was,
2: I was talking with a music teacher um, earlier this week uh, one of the uh, our districts and I think many people quickly discovered a lot of the value of these tools when they were trying to find things for their kiddos to do during lockdowns and mm-hmm. uh, so these Google tools really got uh, got a workover and it's nice to see these new ones in here as well.
1: yeah and then this one's really cool as well. Um, you create different melodies on yep there we go (laughs) and then you can change um to like beethoven or whoever
0: all right so we have bach mozart and beethoven and after i've played something i can ask them to harmonize with me so let's see if bach were to help me out here what what happened so basically using ai and looking at everything they've ever written So as long as I'm partnered up with Bach, not so bad. hey? Eh? <laughs> awesome. That's really cool. Those are great. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, Google Arts and Culture just seems like a never-ending collection of new resources. They're always making new experiments and new um, uh, new exhibits. And I know it does sound like, you know, When you see the arts in there, you think just fine arts. But the culture part of it really also applies a lot to um, social studies. There's loads of primary source documents at the site as well. Good stuff. All right. Um, Oh, then now the next up, some of these we probably have seen already in some of the stuff. And others may show up later. But basically, Google had a big announcement of uh, updates this summer. They did their Anywhere School event. Uh, So back in mid-June, they had their Anywhere School event. And what I've got linked in here um, are uh, links to each uh, individual blog post they did on the four main categories of updates they did, Classroom, Meet, Workspace, and Chrome OS. But then I also pulled those together onto a blog post I did. So I'm going to open that up. That might be the easiest place to see all of this in one spot. Um, And there's 40 of them, so I don't think it probably is wise for us to go through all 40, but um, I'll scroll down and uh, maybe point out a couple that caught my attention. And Stephanie and John, I'd say if there's something in here, if you want to take a look at these 40 and if there's some that, you know, really kind of were important to you, uh, feel free to, to holler about the ones that you're excited about. Um, but what I did was I just took the, the 40 things that they updated in that um, Anywhere School event and broke them up into the categories like they did as well. So like Google Classroom, you know, what, are, what, are, what is new or what is coming new? And it was things like, you know, roster import, being able to sync through Clever to create your rosters this year. Um, the ability to schedule an assignment into multiple classes. I don't think this is live yet. I still haven't seen it. Uh, but that's something people have been asking for forever, that when you go to make an assignment to multiple classes, it's going to end up breaking it into the option to uh, schedule it separately for each class. It used to be that you did not have that option. If you did multiple classes, you could not also schedule it. Um, add-ons coming for Classroom to make it easier to integrate content from uh, other educational tools right into Google Classroom. Uh, this one's gonna be really cool to see, the student engagement tool that they've got. Um, so there's gonna be a tab called activity in Google Classroom and that activity tab will show you when students were last active, commenting or submitting, just to have a better idea about how well students are involved in what's going on in Classroom. Uh, some online features being added to the mobile version of Classroom, which, some offline features, which is great so that students can still use Classroom if they lose connectivity. Um, so many new updates, Google Meet, oh, we got the new interface, now, this is the one that I wish we would have had for the conference that we just had at the start of August, multiple moderators. This, I believe, has rolled out now. I have had have not had a chance to try it out, but I did see um, that this was um, actively rolling out. And that's the option to have more than one person serve as the moderator. Right now, only one person can admit people and mute people and you know uh, you know kick people out and and uh, run the Q and A and run the breakout rooms. Well, it's nice you know to have more than one person who can do that. And like when we did the Spark conference, um, it would be great for the person presenting and then the. Host who's helping to both have access to all of those features. Uh, So that I think has been a long time coming. I'm really happy to see that the multiple moderators feature um, is rolling out for Google Meet. Now we already mentioned the hand raising improvements. Let's see other things here that might be worth pulling up as an example of something that I got excited about, uh, public live streaming. This this was one that I thought was really long overdue. Basically, what this means is that uh, when you do a Google Meet, just like we're doing right now, which we're doing this through Zoom, we're live streaming this to YouTube, but we're using Zoom to do it. That feature has not been available in Google Meet. If you wanted to do a live stream, The only way you were able to do it was internally. It could only be people within your domain who could view that live stream. And by live stream, what I mean is rather than having people inside of the meet with you, they're simply watching it like you guys are doing through YouTube right now with the Zoom meeting that we're doing. Well, that is going to be um, changed in Google Meet so that from Google Meet, you'll be able to say, okay, we want to broadcast this live. Maybe there's a bunch of us in the meeting, but we want everybody else to be able to view it. And there'll be an option to broadcast it right to YouTube, right from there, which again, not it's nothing revolutionary. <laughs> Actually, we had this probably what, six years ago with Hangouts on Air and Hangouts on Air, we could do this. We're finally getting that back, which has been a long time coming.
1: So. And that's how the old GEG meetings were run was through that, right? Hangouts yes, on Yes. And we had back. to figure out another solution.
0: Yep. That's <laughs> right. Which is why we're using Zoom now because yeah. Zoom allowed us to broadcast to YouTube. Now... Um, you know, will we switch over to, you know, using a meet instead? Perhaps, you know, I need to see it in action when this rolls out, but I'm really excited about this because I think this is really going to help with like conferences. Again, going back to the Spark conference we just had, um, that would be nice to be able to live broadcast it rather than saying the only way to participate is to be in the meet, which it it, it worked fine. It worked fine this year. But to have that option say, okay, you don't have to actually join the meet. You can just watch it while it's being live streamed. That's going to be really helpful. So I'm excited about that. Um, I did see Dan asked if those public live streams could be recorded. And Dan, I think the, the answer is yes. And the reason I say that, it's, I don't believe it's a Google Meet feature as much as a live streaming feature, that if you live stream something on YouTube, YouTube saves it. Like right now, I'm live streaming the Zoom meeting to YouTube, and I don't have to press a special button or something in YouTube. It's just because it's being live streamed it will automatically save to my YouTube channel when it's done. So I'm hoping that's the case that yes, that it will it will record it and save it to your YouTube channel um, when the live stream is done. But again, we'll wait and see once that comes out. Other than that, um, let me see if there's anything else that I was really particularly excited about. Um, and then you guys, like I said, John, Stephanie, if there's things that caught your attention, Um, in those 40 updates, (laughs) uh, let me know. Um, I would say other things that I got kind of excited about here. Oh my gosh, there's just so many things. (laughs) Um, So um, we talked about fonts earlier. Um, I was excited to see that we're adding new fonts to forms. So forms has been very limited in the fonts that you can use, uh, we're going to be getting 20 new fonts in forms to make them a little bit more Customizable and person personalized, I think that's <clears throat> that's awesome. And I know the autosave feature has rolled out now. So that if somebody's filling out a form and can't finish it um, while they're filling it out, it can autosave and they can pick it up later and continue to complete uh, filling that out, which could be really helpful for a student who can't you know finish an, uh, an assessment all in one sitting. Uh, if you and- choose to turn this on.
1: And yes, that save um, feature is really nice, too, when you as the teacher, because we have the beta version right now in our district, uh, if you have, as a teacher, make a mistake, you can go in and correct the form. So just like Eric with the date for today, for example, um, we forgot to go in and add today's <laughs> date. And so what you can do is you go in and update it. Your kids hit refresh and all their answers are still there. There's been so many times where there's been a mistake or questions required and it shouldn't have been. And the kids are like, I can't go past it because I don't need to put something in this box and it deletes everything. (laughs) And so now we can, they can refresh and it saves all their answers. It's amazing.
0: Yeah, that really is nice. (laughs) That's, (laughs) That's great. Uh yeah um and then uh other than that I think a lot of this stuff uh, there's so many good things here uh I would definitely encourage you guys to to check through all 40 of those if you didn't see that event back in June but oh John Stephanie is there anything in those 40 I know I picked a couple that seemed to you know to jump out at me anything else you guys yeah. wanted to draw attention to
2: and I think it, it might have been towards the end of last school year that it came up but I had occasion to finally get on some Chromebooks that I was helping a school with this summer. And I found uh, that the new improved screenshot capabilities on the Chromebook to be oh, magnificent.
0: Yes. Uh, that's pro- I wonder, do we have that in this list here? Let's go down under Chrome OS and see looks like... No, I don't have that in that list, but yes, you're right. That is a great update to bring uh, to people's attention. Yeah, the, uh, the screenshot tool, it's, it's same, take a same, picture.
2: It's the same but, shortcut that you had before, yep. but you now have controls and you can actually edit the screenshots before uh, you copy and paste them into a document yep. or whatever you're going to do with it. So for a lot of teachers, I think, uh, are starting to get Chromebooks as the device that they're yeah. being given to use, and this makes it much, much more useful for them.
0: And it also records video
2: if you want to do, rather than just
0: right. a screenshot, you can switch it into video mode and do a screen cast recording as well. Awesome. Well, anyway, a lot of stuff there. Definitely check those out. Uh, it was a nice summary of the things that, you know, updates that had just come out at that time, but also neat look forward as to what to expect over the next few months coming out from uh, Google. All right, let's keep on going. What's up next, Stephanie?
1: The next one is Google Sites. Um, So using a custom template in Google Sites. And I love this new feature that is, I think it's still rolling out. Um, But with Google Sites, there's so many times that you want to create a template for your students. So like, for example, digital portfolios. And then you don't know how to push them out to your students because you can't add it into Google Classroom and it makes a copy like There's like a whole workaround where you have to put it in a folder and then the kids have to Mm -hmm. right click and make a copy like that works. But it's just so many steps for some of our students. And so right here, you're able to go to your domain and you can submit a portfolio or some type of Google Calendar template that you might want your teachers to use or your students to use. Um, And then they're able to customize their own Google site and it just has to get approved by your Google Admin. And then also on that blog post, um, there was some talk about where, you know, like with a Google slide, you can make it at the end where it says edit to copy. There was some language right there where it says preview. I have not gotten this feature yet. Okay. I don't know if anyone else has, but I am like, so looking forward to that feature because there's so many times where like a teacher's like, I need help with a Google site. And I could just have a template ready for them right. to use and then they can go in, add their own photos, add their own bit emojis, add their own text, yeah. add their syllabus. And I can just kind of lay out like this is where you could put it. Um, so I'm waiting for that feature. <laughs> oh, nice.
0: And again, yeah, this was something, again, that classic sites had. Uh, mm-hmm. You could create templates in classic sites. And so when you went to create a, a Google site, rather than starting from scratch, you could say. And, and I remember doing this when I was at North Can. We made, you know, a couple of, you know, sample templates like this would make for a good classroom website. And it had placeholders in it and they could make a copy and start filling it in just to save them some time. That's great that that is being added uh, to the new version of sites, especially since we are officially, you know, in the last few months of classic sites existence, isn't it like end of December that classic sites will completely shut down?
1: I, I think believe? so. Yeah. yeah. So
0: only a few months, you gotta, gotta. I've been converting sites. That's what I've been, because I'm sure many of you noticed. I know we joked about this before, but our conference site was on classic sites. So, yes, I, I was like saying we're going to get as much mileage out of classic sites as we can. So I've been going through and starting to convert a lot of the old classic ones over finally because uh, we got to do it. But awesome. Glad to Eric, see is there that.
2: any word uh, whether they might add tables back into the new Google sites?
0: Now we're still missing some things, aren't we? Yeah. Like um, page level permissions. We don't have those yet. Um, there's no option to put in what you would consider like a blog into Google Sites like the old one had. Um, and I'm sure there's a few other things that I'm that I'm missing as well. You, you said tables was one of the things that you were missing. Yes,
2: and, and there are workarounds. I mean, you can embed a, um, a Google Sheet. Sure. In there and that works but uh, if you just want to put a quick table in and i noticed that on the front uh, page of your spark conference there's a table right there in the under the heading yeah. so uh, it's it's useful to be able to organize your content that way right. i suspect it's because they have to give the mobile um compatibility and tables do not play well on on mobile phones unfortunately
0: Oh, you're right. Sites definitely is designed now to work well on any device, but that could mean that, right, some of the features need to be, you know, changed a bit so that it will function properly and display properly on a tablet versus a phone versus a regular desktop or laptop. Awesome. Well, good stuff. All right, let's see what we have up here next. Um, okay, so this next one, hopefully, all of your admins are aware of this. Um, if uh, if not, this would be a good thing to ask them about. Um, so back at the end of June, Google announced that they are uh, rolling out some new age-based access settings. Now, at first, this doesn't sound like something that, you know, should warrant a whole lot of attention. Like, oh, that's good. That's that's great. They're trying to make things safer for students, and so okay. So they're going to limit. You know, if a student is under the age of eighteen, there's certain things that they will not have access to. Um, now, what those things are, that's kind of you know up for some discussion as to whether you know that makes sense. Like, for example, uh, if somebody's under eighteen. For example, they will not be able to use YouTube as a content creator. Like they can view YouTube, but they won't be able to post their own videos or uh, comment, um, you know, on videos in YouTube. I think the other thing somebody mentioned recently was Blogger. Blogger will not be available to students under 18. Now you may say, Eric, that's fine. Okay, maybe you know we can have some discussions about whether students under 18 should have these abilities. The issue here is, and this is what's really important, so I I hope nobody misses this. The issue is your Google administrators need to go into the admin console and they need to um, make adjustments to this new setting because if they don't, the default is going to be everybody is under 18 unless the administrator says they're not. So if you do nothing, if the administrator does nothing as of September 1st, everybody in your domain will be listed as a student under the age of 18 unless you say they're not. Which means as of September 1st, if you have teachers who have YouTube channels, they will no longer be able to add videos to it. If you have teachers who do Blogger, they will no longer be able to access Blogger because Google's going to think they're students. So the default is not everybody's over 18, but you ought to go in and specify who's under 18. It's the other direction. So hopefully everybody's taken care of this by now. If not, I'll show you real quick what this looks like. Uh, Let me see if I can find... I just have way too many tabs up here, but we'll pull one over. Here we go. So this is my admin console on my trainer domain. And you'll notice that when I walk into the admin console, there's a very clear warning at the top that says starting September 1st. (laughs) New age-based access settings are going to be here if no action is taken all users will be defaulted to under 18 to ensure they don't lo- you don't lose access, make sure you update these settings. And so the settings are actually um, under the account section in account settings, but you can also just go to the link that's here, but it's under account and under account settings, either way you wanna go to it. And under account settings, there's a section called age-based access settings, where you can go in and say, Okay, for my domain, all users are 18 or older. And then you can set that. Then you can go into individual OUs underneath or so staff, yes, they're all over 18. But then like students, I could say some of these are under 18. And I could you know I could override that on my students here. Now, I don't really have. This is my trainer domain. I don't really have students. It's only me. So there's, there's nothing really there. But on our county uh, domain, I did go in and that's exactly what I did. I drilled down to the students and I set them to being under 18. And then everybody else I set to being over 18. So again, you need to do that. And if you don't do that, Unfortunately, um, you're going to have probably some really confused people come September 1st when uh, suddenly staff are not able to access some of the core settings and features that they've been using in the past. So I don't know. Uh, Stephanie, John, if you guys had any other experience with that or feedback or comments on that, I just definitely wanted to make sure we made a a big to-do out of that so that nobody gets caught off guard when that does happen.
1: Yeah, I went into my trainer domain and I did it for me and it, it didn't take long. It was just like I needed Eric to kind of walk through. So I asked Abbott, I was like, OK, what's the steps? And he told me exactly. And it wasn't hard. It was just, again, something you just have to do.
0: I love Jennifer's comment, Jennifer. That's great. She said she read it as new age, like these were together that Google's adding a new age-based <laughs> access setting. Yes. So <laughs> Google is now, we're going to have some some crystals and some essential oils that you've got to make sure you use if you want to use the Google services properly. So uh, yes, and some, some nice relaxing music as well. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> That's good. All right, enough of that. Okay, let's see. We've got a few more updates. I think they start thinning out as we go through here. What do we have up next, Stephanie?
1: So we kind of talked about this earlier oh, I with think
0: we did, yeah.
1: the live stream, but you're able to, again, have those captions and then that cross domain. So we're, again, we were talking earlier how the old Hangouts, you could do yeah. that. And then it, they kind of took it away. So I'm excited again to see what that's going to look like and kind of how that's going to work because I might be able to save some money because like right now I buy StreamYard yeah. um, where I don't know if I'll need that if I'm able to, you know, live stream. <laughs>
0: right. That'll be so nice to have that. Also, that's cool about the captions being in there that, you know, we've had automatic captioning in regular meets, but to have those automatic captions in the live streams, that'll be nice. Um, And I think, yeah, we probably hit this next one a little bit too, about how uh, you can now sync Google Classroom courses and rosters with your SIS. Um, So using Clever, going through Clever, um, and I have not done this. Um, I don't know if Stephanie or John, if you've had an occasion to play with this, uh, but for schools that um, are wanting to create the Google Classrooms for their teachers and fill in the students for them, uh, this new feature will allow you to take your student information system and then sync it up through Clever and through that be able to create and keep um, accurate your Google classrooms with their rosters. I'm, I have no experience with it. I mean, I've read about it, but I have not done. Have you guys done anything with that, John or Stephanie?
1: We have not. We thought about it. Um, But then a lot of our teachers, um, we use a lot of blended learning and personalized learning. And so what they're doing is they're creating um, classrooms just for the unit. And so with the Clever Sync, it would be based on the Infinite Campus. And so because we differentiate and do all that kind of stuff, we were afraid that our teachers might not like the automatic syncs. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, So we did not go with it. All
0: right. It definitely could be valuable for schools mm-hmm. that that do want to do this. I know there have been tools. Um, I think Amplified IT had their was it Little SIS? I think was the name of the the tool that does a SIS integration. Um, this seems to be similar to that idea.
1: And I think too, if you have a student that continuously lo- like exits your classroom this way, they're constantly re synced <laughs> um so if maybe you have any behavior issues or anything like yeah. that this could be another way to keep well, those that's kids a good in point
0: because can't a student leave a google classroom like yeah. if they, they they can unenroll themselves mm-hmm. from a classroom yeah um that would be nice yeah if this is a yeah. sync that runs nightly or whatever to put them back in um when they try to leave the class all right Um, The next one, I think we've also hit on as well um, about forms saving your progress. Uh, Stephanie had some really good insight on why that is valuable there. Just keep in mind, you do have the option to turn that on or off. Um, And um, if you haven't seen that, it should be. Trying to remember where it's at in the settings here. Is it under the regular settings gear? Do you guys remember where that's at in there? Um, There it is. Yeah, under presentation. So there's a checkbox that says disable autosave for all respondents. So by default, autosave is turned on so that if somebody's filling out a form, they can go back later and complete it. And what if you have a situation where you don't want that? Maybe it's a particular assessment that you want them to finish just during class and you don't want them to have additional time afterwards on it. You could go into the settings and forms and you could say let's disable the auto save and that way you know they won't be able to continue to do that all right clean up a few tabs here all right uh, what are we up to next here do you know anything about this uh, unlocking new ways to collaborate with google workspace in miro
1: so I saw Miro at ISTE, Sandra okay. Chow, she did a session um, with Miro, okay. and I've never even heard about it until her session, and it was actually really cool, it kind of reminded me of Jamboard a little bit, Okay, um, so it's like a whiteboard, and then you can go in, and it's that collaborative space, and everybody can kind of brain dump their different ideas, and now they're just kind of partnering with Google, and it will be available to add as an integration,
0: Interesting. So I wonder if they're so they're saying collaborating on a Miro board during a Google Meet call that this is getting um, baked into Google Meet. We already have Jamboard in Google Meet as well. So do you think this is just basically another option, just another whiteboard you can use if you prefer Miro over Jamboard?
1: Yeah, I think it's just another option. Um, I was trying to look at what are like, I know, I love the Venn diagrams. I think it's Tony Vincent makes like with Google Slides versus Google Draw. And so I'm hoping someone can make a Venn diagram for me, like what are the same, what's different um, between these two tools that we might be able to use. And this one kind of reminded me more of like Trello type of work, like where your project planning of like, who's going to do what, whose action steps, um, okay. where I feel like Jamboard is kind of, again, just that whiteboard.
0: All right. Well, that'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm assuming that uh, it, it just means the integration is there. You would still have to obviously pay for you know, professional licenses for Miro. There's a, a free version and a paid version. So I'm assuming all this means is that it's just integrated, but it's still you know, up to you. If you haven't paid for it, you're just going to get the free version of Miro. But interesting to see Google doing that, uh, which you know that actually I think ties in kind of interesting to the next one, which is um, this new tool called Cursive from Google for handwritten notes on Chromebooks. And I guess what I mean by tie in is the idea that it seems like sometimes Google will give more than one tool to do the same thing. So just like we've already got Jamboard, but now we can now put Miro inside of Meet as well. Well, this cursive uh, progressive web app uh, for Chromebooks is a a note-taking app, but we already have Google Keep, and we've got Jamboard that's kind of like that as well. There, there's definitely some crossover already, especially with, with Google Keep, I would think. Um, but this is, um, looks like just a, a much more robust note-taking tool um, showing how you can do things um, like, see, they've got the... Uh, Let's we'll see what they show here. It looks like we've got some different categories, and then we can drag things around. I think they were showing. Yeah, there we go. Like being able to circle something and move things and delete things. Um, that is like, yeah, here they're crossing through the word courage, and it and it will delete it. You know, at that point, so uh, a little more robust um, handwriting drawing tool than what we have with Google Keep. But it's always brings up those questions, you know, like, okay, so, you know, what does this mean for the other tools, you know, that we've been using? Is this going to be a, you know, a competitor for something like Keep? Or are they eventually going to take some of the features from this and bake them into Keep? Right now, um, just on Chromebooks, and I think think they're just rolling it out first on this particular HP Chromebook, but I mean my guess is it'll be available to use on any Chromebook that is a you know touch enabled Chromebook at some point.
2: And I think an interesting data point is that uh, touchscreen Chromebooks are becoming much more popular. Uh, you're seeing as districts are refreshing their um, Chromebook um, Chromebook selections for their uh, students that they are adding, uh, the touchscreen ones. It used to be there was about a hundred dollar premium on getting a touchscreen Chromebook, but that's come down. Yeah, and so I'm starting to see them much more in the hands of students than than I did before. And it was always, I think we were limited in what apps we had that, or what websites they could use uh, the touch ability with uh, to actually draw or, right. or something like that. So I think Cursive is an interesting addition to that. Um, uh, to that space i can't imagine buying a chromebook now and not getting the touch screen
0: now sure if you're buying you know, thousands of them that small amount of money it will make a difference and i could totally see but if i had the choice it's like okay you know it's not that much of a monetary difference now for touchscreen. i just think it opens up a lot of possibilities for example running android apps on a chromebook so many of them are designed to be you know Touch interactive and having that feature, um, having a touch screen on the Chromebook it seems like the, the uh, way to go for any Chromebook that, that you purchase. Cool. All right. Well, I think we're about to the end of what's new. I think we did hit on this too about having the co hosts that that is rolling out right now that when you do Google Meet, you can designate other people as hosts. In case you're curious how it works, I think they have a GIF in here that shows. Let's see if we can make that a little bit bigger so we can see it. It's something that you would go in and you'd click on the little three dots button next to a person in the meeting with you. And then from that three dots button, you can choose the option that says add as co-host. So you can give co-host abilities to anybody else who's in the meet with you, which just means then they can do other things like muting people or creating breakout rooms or... um, you know, kicking somebody out of the meet if they need to, which is nice to have other folks who can help manage that as well. Good stuff. And I think the last one here sounds kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier with attending a meeting. Uh, in calendar, but in this case, it's uh, showing where you're working at that day. So inside of Google Calendar, uh, this won't be till it says, looks like August 30th. So soon we'll have this option. We can go into the settings in Google Calendar. And in addition to setting, you know, which days of the week we're working and what are our hours, we can also we'll have an option in here to enable location and say, on Monday and Tuesday, I'm in the office. On Wednesday, I'm working from home. You know, and so again, if somebody's just looking at your calendar, they can quickly see, oh, Eric's not in today. That's right, he's working remotely today. For example, so uh, just cool to see how that's becoming the new normal that we're having those kind of features uh, available in our products from Google. All right. So let's pause there for a second. I know that was a lot of stuff. Uh, Stephanie, John, anything in there that we didn't cover that you thought was worthy of uh, chatting about? I know we hit a lot of things. Or did you see any comments in the YouTube chat that we should address? Matthew
2: uh, shared in the chat that uh, Miro specifies in its terms of service that Only users over the age of 16 are intended to use that platform. Okay.
1: Oh, that's good to know.
0: So it sounds like more for like staff to work together on planning and brainstorming rather than student use.
1: Hmm. And then Brandy in the chat, she said, um, Little Sis has been great because teachers can choose to accept and decline the auto rostered class. Oh. So I don't know if you can with the clever sync type classes or um, what, because I know Little Sis is a different program.
0: Yeah.
1: It says it's not flexible with enrollment, Little Sis. <laughs> All
0: right. All right. Excellent. Good stuff. Well, folks, if there's anything that we missed in that section that you want to talk about, uh, we're going to move on now to our show and tell and our Q&A. Uh, but if there's something we skipped over, definitely follow the links. Every one of these goes out to a link from Google or nine to five Google or you know one of the blogs out there with information. But please feel free to Ask us a question or throw something in the chat if you want us to uh, revisit any of these topics, Um, but let's go ahead and move on to our show and tell. So basically show and tell is a portion of the meeting where we just share any cool things we've come across where, you know, this last section was what's new, what are the updates coming? This is more what's a neat new extension you've come across or uh, a great website or a creative way to use Google tools, really anything uh, that, that you want to share from the you know last month or so. Uh, I've got a section in here. So does Stephanie and uh, John does as well. Sarah can't be with us today, unfortunately. Um, and then there's a section here for you guys to share. And thank you. It looks like some folks have been doing that. That is great. Please feel free to come here to the community show and tell section. And you guys can drop in some links there uh, that you would like to share. I'll go ahead and kick things off with this, and then um, I'll turn it over to Stephanie uh, to run through her show and tell, and then uh, John as well, and then we'll take a look and see what you guys have shared from the community. While that's all going on, keep in mind the Q&A is available, and uh, please feel free to start throwing in questions there. I see if you have started to come in. If you have answers, also feel free to type in answers if you've got some feedback for folks. So to start off with the uh, show and tell, Uh, I don't have a whole lot of stuff in my list here this this month, just a few things to mention. Um, So on my Control-Alt-Achieve site, um, I have posted uh, two webinars recently, and these were from the Spark Conference, Uh, just another way to easily get to them. So uh, one of the the sessions I did at the Spark Conference was stop motion animation with Google Slides. And so uh, this will allow you to watch that one-hour recorded session uh, on how you can use Google Slides to create stop-motion animations. It's just such a fun way for students to be able to take a concept and express it um, and uh, be be creative in doing so. So this takes you through all the steps of how to create the Google Slide with the stop-motion animation, how to add shapes and images and text, and even audio, how you can use Moat to build audio right into your stop-motion animation. So really cool. Uh, project for students. And the other one is my uh, ever popular hipster Google session that I, I love to do. The hipster Google one is the lesser known Google tools, So it covers a lot of things that Google has created that just aren't as well known as docs and Gmail and stuff like that. So I think there's like 60 or so tools that I've got in this particular uh, session. And uh, the video uh, from the Spark conference is embedded there, as well as, of course, the resources that you can get to. So um, all of that, of course, you can find on the regular conference website from Spark. But I did go ahead and break those out separately. And then um, over the summer, I had a chance to be a guest on a couple of podcasts. And so just want to get these on your radar as far as if you're always Say, so, hey! I'd love to love to find another podcast to listen to. Uh, here are three tech-related ones. There's the Easy EdTech Podcast, EdTech Distilled, and TLC Ninja. And so all of these deal with EdTech in one form or another. Again, I did get a chance to be a guest on those, but I'm, I'm recommending them as podcasts in general, not just not just the episode I was on. <laughs> you, I would encourage you to check out everything that uh, um, they've got on, on those particular podcasts. Um, Other than that, I did throw in just a couple of things that had caught my attention uh, here recently. Um, One was I love the website Google Trends. And Google did a really neat blog post because it had been, um, I think, maybe it was 15 years. That's why they did. Yep, yep. Google Trends' 15th anniversary. So they did 15 tips on making the most out of it. So Google Trends is one of those sites that I include in my hipster Google session. How about that? It's 15 years old. That's awesome. (laughs) Um, But it's still a lesser known site. Basically, Google Trends is a website where you can see how searching has changed over time. You can put in any term or terms that you're interested in, and it will show you the relative frequency of how popular that term has been over time. Um, This is a really neat way to take a concept you're learning about in class and see uh, from state to state, from country to country, from year to year, how interest in that topic has changed. Well, this blog post just gives you some nice tips and tricks to say, if you haven't really used Google Trends much, here's 15 tips to make better use of it, maybe some of the lesser known features on the site. So uh, definitely check that out, especially if you're not familiar with Google Trends. Another thing uh, that got launched over the summer was a periodic table from Google. So uh, this is part of their experiments that we talked about earlier. This is one of their arts experiments. And, um, It's a 3D periodic table. What I mean by that is you can go in and pick on any element, and what it will do is give you a little bit of trivia about that element, give you the key stats, but then it gives you a 3D model showing what that uh, element would look like, the atomic structure of that element. Now, on a web page, that's what it looks like. If you pull this up on your phone, you can actually do that whole view in 3D option where you can see it, you know, an AR superimposed you know, in your environment. And that would be another way to get an up-close personal look at any of these particular elements. So uh, that's Google's periodic table that they launched. And then lastly, this one I just heard about. So I really don't know much about it yet. It's something that I'm uh, wanting to dig into. I signed up for early access. It's a new product from Google called Newsletter. So it's their their take on a newsletter. I currently use um, MailChimp when I do email newsletters. And I'm really curious to see how this might turn out. So this is from Area 120, which is one of Google's uh experimental groups. They they make all kinds of really cool stuff through their Area 120 group. And so MuseLetter is supposed to be launching really soon, um, from what I understand. And it's the ability to create an online newsletter and you know send it out to an audience of people that subscribe to it. Um, Sounds similar to things like Mailchimp, um, but I'm really curious to see Google's take on it and if it's something that uh, I don't know. It'd be awesome <laughs> if it's free, <laughs> because uh, Mailchimp isn't. I mean, it is up into a certain point, but you know, once you have any significant amount of subscribers, Mailchimp is not. So uh, this is one that I'm really curious to look at because I get that question from schools sometimes. Hey, we'd like to have a newsletter, and yeah, I know we can just do a Google group and do an email, but maybe I want a newsletter that's a little bit more attractive or something. Um, And I typically point people towards something like S'more or MailChimp. This will be neat to see how this compares. So we're gonna see, we're gonna check that out and see uh, how that turns out. All right. Well, Stephanie, how about if we turn it over to you and I will give up sharing and let you share. And that way you can uh, share all of your stuff here.
1: That sounds great. All right. Let me go ahead. It says the host disabled.
0: <gasps> oh, sorry about <laughs> nope, that. You're good. Sorry about that. All right. All okay, right. Now so I can. You should be able to share now.
2: Oh,
1: Thanks. Okay. It's coming. Can you guys see it?
0: Looks great. Isn't way. it
1: sad that we still ask that question? Like, can you see the uh, screen after yeah. like a year? Of yeah, I
0: think we COVID? always will. And it's a good question to ask.
1: Yeah. Um, so right here is my digital notebook that I've um, sent out to my teachers. And it's just, again, ideas. And this is this year's motto I've sent out last year's and last year's GEG meetings. But feel free to look at any of these links and resources. But I'm just going to hit a couple Um, that are kind of hot topics for teachers. The first one is contact groups. So a lot of times teachers wanna create newsletters. So Eric went over um, talking about newsletter. Well, with contact groups in Google, your teachers can set up their um, parents and create that contact group to send out a newsletter. Um, So this video right here walks through how to do that. And you just go in and um, your contact area, let's see if we can get past this ad. And once you are um, in your account, you again, you can go into your contacts, you can set up a group and add all of those parents. And what I tell my teachers is send up a uh, Google form home with the students, have the parents fill it out with the email that they want to be emailed a newsletter to. And then they just take that Google form, they add it right into their contact groups, and then they're able to quickly send out information. So for example, Maybe it is cold in the building. So the teacher can go in, hey, bring a coat today. And then the students will have a coat. And then that email group's already set up. The teacher doesn't need to go in and individually type every single parent email. So again, that video walks through it. Um, A lot of teachers wanted to use this template. So feel free to steal the template that I created. Um, It just kind of goes over the contact information for the teachers, a note from the teachers, what they're learning this week, what's upcoming important reminders, and then kind of if there's any homework or anything that um, students can expect for the week. So again, feel free to use my template. You can customize it. And then over here, you can add friend emoji. So if you co-teach with another teacher, you might want to just send home one newsletter instead of five different newsletters that might kind of help parents with all that information. And so with this, it goes over how to create a friend emoji and you can have multiple teachers all on one page. Um, So there is the newsletter with contact groups. The next link um, is a prior knowledge game. This one's really fun. One of my teachers, she um, was doing this activity. Three students are on a team. And I think sometimes with COVID and all of the stuff that's kind of happened this school year, we sometimes forget that students might have different prior knowledge uh, depending on their situation from last school year. So three students are on a team. You have a runner. So the runner is running back and forth. You've got a scribe who is writing on paper with a marker, and then you have the researcher. And so you give students a topic. So maybe you are teaching um, William Shakespeare. The student is researching, so that's one student. You have the runner that is communicating that information from the researcher to the scribe. So all students are working together on this activity to explain the different project. And again, here's a video if you want to go back and reference it. But students are working together. And at the end of the game, every you like gain points by most accurate facts. So if you have the most accurate facts, you win a point. And so again, the team with the most accurate facts wins the game. So it's just a great way to kind of build that prior knowledge of your students and kind of see where are they at. And then they're also working together as a team. Then the next one um, is one of my favorites is can we talk this is a true colors personality test and down here in the YouTube description is those step by step resources um, from Stephanie Rothstein and what true colors is, is it's a personality test it quickly allows you to know your students by personality and. Um, this again has step by step by step directions on how to do it. And there's a video that I've created for my teachers to walk them through this. Um, and it's just a great activity for the beginning of the year. And then once you do all that, if you watch the full video on the home screen, it tells you how to give feedback to your students. So for example, if your student is a green, that means they ask a lot of questions. Uh, They need to know the why of a lot of things. And so when I'm giving feedback to a green, I might start with asking them a question. Why did you put this here? Why did you do this? And then it gets them thinking about that activity. um, And you're giving them feedback in a better way. Whereas if somebody is a blue, that means that they're more emotional. They like those relationships. They're all about people. You need blues in your life to check in on you uh, to make sure you're doing okay. And so when they get feedback, they need like that positive the negative, and then a positive. So they need that feedback sandwich. And then there is uh, the gold, which is me. And so that person, like they, they know the rules, they know exactly the procedure of how it's going to be. And so you need to kind of talk to them with details and use structure when you're doing so. And that's how we're all different. And that's kind of, we need all these different people, but it just is really helpful when you are, giving feedback to students. So again, there's a test. There's two different types of tests. There's one for uh, high school, middle school students, which have 40 questions. And then there's this elementary one with 11 questions. And then it walks through how to set Autocrat so that the students get their results and their certificate of their colors. And then there's a ton of activities down here that you can do with your class to kind of celebrate and create that positive culture and team building in your classroom. So this is such a fun, fun um, activity for this. And then um, the next one is connect four with moat. So I recently presented at the moat conference. It was really fun. And I did bingo. And then as I was presenting, someone was like, can you change the moat colors? So moat is an extension that you can use your voice and you can change the colors. So as soon as I learned that you could change the colors, I immediately thought of connect four. And so right here you add words. And I was thinking basic reading because there's a lot of times where students need to read our controlled words or whatever the category is. And once they add those words, um, you can go in and you can recolor the moat. So you've got player one is purple, player two is blue, and then you can play Connect Four. And it's just a fun and engaging way for students to work together. And again, on the YouTube description is um, the link to the Google Slides. So if you are interested in playing, feel free to make a copy and use this template as well. And then, Classroom sites. So we did a session on classroom sites and I know we talked about updates with classroom and this Uh, session, I learned a lot. Ashley um, Holcomb, she's a counselor in my district. She is really, really good with Google Sites and she is like a perfectionist. And so she taught us like how to kind of align things, how to organize things, how to add images, how to add headers, how to change all of the different previews to make sure it all works. And so it made your site beautiful. And again, down in the YouTube description is the slide link if you want to review that. But you can just kind of go in. And you're able to see um, all these different steps of how to create a Google site. And then there are some examples when you go onto to the final page where it says, let's create, because it's like a make and take. So you learn and you create and then you make and then you take another example. So I'm really, again, excited about that um, feature that's coming out hopefully soon where you're able to make a copy of a Google site. And then timers, Um, I've learned how to create my own timers, um, which has been really addicting and fun, but I have two videos on how to do that. And then right here are just some fun timers from Slides Mania, her themes, and just added some music from... Uh, either we video and the students then have a timer. And so then they can listen or work during that time. And I've really learned at the beginning of a school year, using timers can really help students get those um, procedures done and get them where you want them to be. So timers can be a great way to kind of get those classroom routines down and um, get them kind of organized in a way. Um, Image placeholders is also a new update and I am in love with this new feature. So right here, uh, it will allow you to put an image in exactly that shape. So you don't have students having to resize or anything like that. They just go in and they add their own shape. So to do that, um, you could use this template, I was thinking like a before and after to show the growth of the student. Um, But I'm just gonna go ahead and do a blank slide. And then I'm gonna go into slide edit theme. And now that I'm in edit theme, I'm going to go into insert placeholder. And then there's in this image placeholder. You can do rectangle, rounded, or an oval. Let's go ahead and do rectangle. That's kind of rounded. And now when I go back out here, my students can upload an image from their computer. They can add their own uh, image using the camera. and Or they could search the web. So if I search the web and I do cats, I could add this cat picture right into there and again it's going to format it to exactly that shape that i have on my google slide so this could be really good for those students so they don't need to click and drag and again i could just kind of have exactly the layout i want and then my kids just click those buttons search the web and they don't need to do anything other than add that image and then um, classroom headers. So I know Google Classroom is kind of popular right now because a lot of teachers are working on their classrooms. Um, so right here it just talks about creating custom headers and setting all of that up so there are some templates in this slide deck so feel free to um, learn how to add animation learn how to um, maybe use canva to create these beautiful classroom headers also using them for announcements just to remind students of upcoming things could be really important as well Um, so if you're interested in getting some creativeness in here are just some google classroom ideas and uh, ways that you can kind of improve your google classroom headers And then finally, this video right here, um, I just was sent to it today. It's called The Noise and it's really good. It's only three minutes and 36 seconds, but it just talks about how, and I don't know how if you guys were, but when I was in college or when I first started teaching, I thought a quiet classroom was a good classroom. And just because that's how I went to school. Everybody was quiet and people learn in a quiet environment. And this video kind of says like, All of last year was really quiet students were on mute students, you know, were um, maybe their cameras were off and there wasn't all this noise in the classroom and noise happens when we are learning and so this was just kind of a motivative video that was happening. Um, So this could be just kind of helpful for you to get into the right mindset as you're going into this school year. And that's all my shares john you want to go ahead and share yours. And I can stop sharing for you, John.
2: There we go. Okay. Um, th- this is something that I've been working on um, for a while. This original, uh, we'll call it a matrix. And if you look at it um, at the bottom, the, the, uh, the, the code for, the, um, for what each of the letters stands for, I is introduce, R is reinforce, M is mastery. And so what we're looking at is, and I, the, the changes that I've made most recently are these ones about the online platform, but the, they relate to as we're teaching uh, the younger students about uh, technology or we're integrating technology into how we teach, uh, there is a certain set of skills that they need to have in order to be successful. Now, here in the United States, um, For example, in our our state of Ohio, there's the third grade reading guarantee test that they have to take in third grade. And it it implies that they have a certain set of skills to be able to complete that. And so um, a document like this is about starting conversations with the teachers about uh, how are you using technology um, and where are we teaching these individual skills to students? So uh, we were talking about Clever um, earlier on the piece And so part of that is that there is a a clever badge login allows you to have uh, kindergartners and first graders log into a Chromebook uh, just by scanning a QR code. They don't actually have to um, put a username and password in, but all right. At what, at what point do you teach them how to use a username and password? And, and so, and again, we're saying that you could introduce that to them in first grade now and have them reinforce it in second grade and, and be doing, Uh, logins only with a username and password by third grade. Now, some people are going to argue, well, it's worthwhile teaching the younger kiddos how to do it. um, And we teach our kindergartners how to do it. I think the issue that a lot of people have is the amount of time that it takes with the younger students to get them to be able to do some of these things. So if we've got a set of things that our kindergarten teachers are focusing on and the introduced ones, and we can scroll down the list. And it's linked in the document there and you can all can have a look at it. So O is for optional. So uh, we may not introduce keyboarding uh, mainstream to the students in kindergarten, but it's introduced in first grade. And again, uh, there's a couple of schools of thought. Uh, We're trying to recommend that the teachers give the kids the opportunity to, to do some keyboarding every day, rather than have it be a special that they go to once a week or twice a week. Uh, because skills like that need to be practiced uh, in order for them to become uh, second nature, so this goes through the whole list and you 'll see as we get down the list a little bit more here, uh, you get into areas which uh, you know are introduced in third or fourth or fifth grade, and most of them I think are around that third grade level so we we see that to be a you know a, a pretty um, uh, that 's a pretty good place to um, to have everybody sort of um, up with their tech skills. So by the time we get to the end of fifth grade here, you can see that they're, they're all, they've, they've all mastered these skills. And then, uh, so we're having this conversation about uh, with the teachers that I'm working with in the districts. And so what becomes more interesting then is how we add in uh, the examples of things that we can do to teach these skills. And this needs to be really customized we're going to make it fairly generic in this document but then we take this document and we come up with a lesson planning um, that we will do with the teachers so what are we going to team teach with them and we're following a two-week model so we will introduce something and then two weeks later we'll introduce something else and the teachers are are supposed to be um, practicing those skills in between but this document then gives them an idea of some of the things so if you look at your kids coming in and this is especially important after COVID because uh, as you have in some schools we're going to have kids back in in in-person classrooms for the first time in 18 months and um, so you don't really know what level of skills each of those kids has so um, as you say you're a third grade teacher uh, if you're expecting them to have mastered some of these skills, then you may want to design some activities just to see whether they can, in fact, do that. And then if they can, you just check them on and move on to the next thing. But I just thought it was a good way uh, to quantify this through a document. And we had Stephanie uh, and Eric and I had a discussion before the meeting, and I said I was working on this, and I'm happy to share it with people. So that's, that's what I've been working on um, right now and I hope that some some people will find that useful if you want to get hold of me or you want to make a copy of this you should be able to make a copy of it. Uh, It comes from some original work that was done in California, I don't remember exactly where I got it from, but um, again we share it amongst your colleagues and use it in whatever way uh, you find it useful. And back well, to you, Eric.
0: That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I know just what you're talking about because I came across that same original, uh, the ones when I worked with schools and worked on some of these scope and sequences for tech skills. Exactly. I borrowed the same beginning template. And I don't remember either. It was a school from California. And I found it through ISTE. It was in one of the ISTE publications they they had a link to it and so have modified that as well that's great I appreciate you sharing that John Uh, that's something that over the years I've worked on as well and um, appreciate you picking up that torch and running with that Uh, I, I think I may return to that myself as well sometime and play around with that some more but really appreciate you sharing that that is great um, well, let me go ahead and share my screen and we'll look at what you guys from the community have thrown into the show and tell. Uh, so let's see. Uh, looks like we've got a number of things here. And I believe a lot of these came from Dan. Thank you, Dan, for sharing these. Um, and it looks like we have things including Dan's uh 30 second EdTech clips. This is pretty cool. I remember seeing this back in the spring uh, and Dan is back at it here. Um, If you open these up, what we have are QR codes that you can scan and then go out to learn, and I'm, I'm assuming in 30 seconds, uh, a little bit of information about um, each of these different tools. And so, um, it looks like we're going to be uh, getting uh, new editions of the EdTech in 30 Seconds uh, now that the school year has started back up. So. Uh, Thanks for sharing that, Dan. And then I think a few more of these are also from Dan as well. There's a video here on how to put graphic organizers from Google Drawings into Jamboard. Very nice. Uh, Here we have some uh, tech tools to help uh, with never having to grade again. So teacher made, Nearpod, grade cam, quizzes, Google Forms, etc. Uh, we've also got classroom screen, and I am not familiar with this one. If John or Stephanie, if you know more about this, uh, says using Google tools and classroom screen together it won't display jam boards, but it works nicely with slides and docs. I have not played with this tool yet, so this is yeah, this one one's I think really cool. It's really helpful for ahead.
1: classroom management. Okay. Um, so if you go ahead and maybe hit launch, sure. Let's see what it does. You can add okay. different things, um, to and you can change the background too. But down at the bottom, you can add like an image. You can add a timer. You can add a stoplight um you can add text and so it's kind of a board that's really nice for an agenda yeah there's your dice at the beginning of the day just to help organize your students and kind of go this is what's going to happen you've got this much time to get ready for the day or maybe you're I need dice or whatever you need um you can add whatever on this board
0: but you're saying apparently we can also embed things onto here um from with Google tools, like slides and docs. Do you know, is that the media
1: option maybe?
0: And Probably,
1: then I have not done that yet. So I'm excited to oh, see that.
0: I haven't tried it either. Let's grab, we'll have to our, just try it. let's grab our agenda. I don't know if we actually need a, a fancy embed here. Let's see. Oh, okay. It looks like it's oh, uh, yeah. opening that up.
1: So that could be nice. Like you have your agenda maybe on a Google slide for the day. And then you want to have that over on the side, just like Eric's kind of
0: doing. Cool. Okay. I got to get used to how this functions, but uh, yeah, I can stretch it out. And very nice. Cool stuff. Thanks for sharing that folks. That's awesome. I think I have seen this site now that I've got it open, but it's not something that I'm really familiar with. So I haven't have not played with it enough uh, recently. looks like it's one I definitely need to revisit now and see all the cool things that we can do with it. Um, very nice. Thanks for sharing that, guys. Um, we also have a, a video here on how to use Go Guardian. I believe this is from Dan as well and a link to Mercury Reader. Yes, one of my favorite extensions. I've mentioned this one a lot of times when I'm talking about Google tools for struggling students. Uh, Mercury Reader is a great extension to clear the clutter from an online article. Um, I believe I've got Mercury Reader installed at the moment. Yes, I do. So I can show it in action. The idea being that if you're at a website that maybe is a little bit busy, shall we say. So uh, here's Dogo News. Great, great website, uh, current event articles for students. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of busy. There's some ads and there's comments at the bottom and so forth. If you have Mercury Reader, the extension installed, all you do is go up and click on the little rocket ship icon for Mercury Reader in your extensions bar, and it cleans up the page. It strips out advertisements, it takes away comments, and it, you're just left with the article itself and what other images or videos were part of the article with the option to go into the settings here and change the you know the theme from dark to light or change the font uh, face as well as the font size. The only thing that it doesn't do um, is there's not like just like a save button to say, oh, I want to save this, you know, in the cleaned up version of it. And so the normal trick that I use is I pretend I'm going to print it. So if I go like Control P for print, instead of printing it actually to my laser jet, I can choose save as PDF. So you're printing it to a PDF and then that will save that cleaned up version of the article if you want to do that. So uh, appreciate uh, somebody giving a shout out to Mercury Reader there in our community show and tell. Thanks so much, guys. Good stuff. Awesome. Um, Well, if there's anything else we missed there in the show and tell, uh, let us know, uh, throw some questions or comments in the chat or continue to add to that. But that brings us to our last section, which is our Q&A. So um, we'll take a look and see if, uh, hopefully we have some A's for your Q's. I don't know, maybe we don't, Uh, but we'll take a look and see what questions have come in. Um, While we're going through these, again, if there's anything else you guys wanna contribute to the meeting, this is a great time to do so. Feel free to add things to the agenda um, or to the chat in YouTube. Looks like the questions we were getting, um, the first one was, does anybody know about a time frame for that new feature we heard about in classroom where you can schedule assignments for multiple classes? I have not. This was my response. I actually typed that one. I have not heard of a specific date when I saw this Um, advertised this summer from Google saying, hey, you're going to be able to push out an assignment to multiple classes and schedule it for each class individually. They just listed it as coming later this year. So no, unless John or Stephanie, if you've heard more, I have not gotten a specific on, you know, we're expecting that by a certain date. So I would just say, keep your eye out for that coming soon. Um, The next two are also classroom related. Uh, Will there be an update to Classroom to let you multi-select assignments to move them? And any word on having the ability to archive assignments in Classroom? Unfortunately, my answer would be no to both of those. I have not. John, Stephanie, if you guys have heard something else, that's great. But no, the idea of going into Classroom grabbing five assignments and dragging them all together at once to move them uh, at the moment. Nope, you're still just grabbing individual assignments and dragging them around. There's not a multi-select option. I've not heard, I've not seen that. I've not seen that in any of the blog posts about what's new and what's coming soon. That I've not seen. And also this, yeah, I know people ask about this a lot. Like, hey, I've got an assignment. I just want to deactivate it. I don't want to delete it. I want it to still be there. I need to have the record of it, but I want it to no longer be active in my class. Is there a way to archive an assignment? Other than archiving the entire class, no individual assignments. And I haven't, I've heard people ask about this, but nope, I've heard nothing from Google about that being on the roadmap. And maybe it is, but Sorry, that's probably not the answers you guys wanted on those, but for both of those, that is something. So it might be
2: uh, worthwhile pointing out, Eric, that um, for the features, if everybody knows, if you want to show in Google Classroom, for example, if you hover over the question mark in the bottom Mm left-hand corner, there is a report issue or feature request um, option, which is the best way, because I understand that the people in the classroom team do read every um, suggestion that comes in there.
0: You are correct. Uh, Yes. So going to classroom, hovering above the little question mark, clicking on report issue or request feature. You can just type in here what it is you'd like to see. And you are correct. They really do read these. They take every bit of feedback. They put them into spreadsheets and organize them and, and say, okay, this is the most common thing everybody's asking about this you know so okay I think we better work on that next so your voices are heard it does make a difference so definitely uh do uh submit those requests to google and hopefully that will move those further up the list of priorities that'd be awesome uh, let's see, uh, has anybody noticed ad blocking extensions not working properly on YouTube is this YouTube Google outsmarting the blockers I don't know uh, john stephanie if you guys have any impact any feedback on that I um I use. On my personal account, I pay what is it now called? It used to be YouTube Red. It's not called that anymore. I don't remember what it's called now, but I pay uh, a monthly thing for YouTube music and for YouTube itself to not have ads. So I don't see ads on YouTube, but that's because I pay that monthly thing. So I don't use any ad blockers on there. How about you guys? Have you noticed any issue with that?
1: We set up an approval process for our YouTube. So teachers have to go in and approve videos. And that, I believe, cuts down on ads. Um, let me see if I can find the document that we sent All right. out. All
0: right. Yeah, the only way I've ever known to get around the ads in YouTube, if you're not um, paying for that um was that and i know we covered it last month didn't we or last time we had a meeting back in may um isn't it where you put a dash somewhere in the youtube url and it opens up their no cookies version that i
1: think it's between the t and the u right or I
0: remember now yeah so if i go into youtube and if we find some beautiful relaxing music, how about that? That's awesome. Now this is not my personal account, but this one has ads because this is, this is the this is my game where grandson my and granddad account. will buy. But the idea being that if you wanted to go in, you think it's between the 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 T and the U? Like after think, the
1: T. I think it's after the T.
0: Let's see. Yes, it is. Very good memory. So, right, if you just go, and I'll show you that again, I'll pause this for a second. If you go up to the address bar in the top and you put a dash like the minus symbol right after the T in YouTube, what that does is it takes you to another version of YouTube, which is their no cookie version. And the no cookie version basically makes the video go full screen and you can just play it. And uh, my understanding is it does not have ads in the no cookie version of it. This is not like a separate service, not like a different company. This is from Google, which I think is important because sometimes it's like, oh, I found this, you know, really cool third party tool that lets me circumvent things. Well, probably not forever because, you know, the third party thing, Google's going to make an update and, you know, that third party thing isn't going to work anymore. This is not a third party thing. This is actually a version of YouTube that Google supports, which is their no cookie version. And that's one of the quickest ways to get to it. So that's been my suggestion to people in the past if they want to get around some of the um, ad issues on YouTube.
2: And I'll just it. Think- Oh, go ahead, John. I'll just throw a quick caution in there, as I did last time we mentioned this. Um, Your mileage may vary according to how your district uh, does their filtering policies. Sure. Um, If it works at home, that doesn't mean that it'll work at school. So you need to test before you uh, try it with the kids.
1: Yeah. And I think too, Puzzle. maybe adding your videos to an Edpuzzle so that you don't have ads either, you know, you can upload to YouTube and then just sync it right with Puzzle. could be another option.
0: Good suggestions. Thanks guys. Uh, and what's our last thing here? Have you started working on Google storage data limits for next year? What have you done? Is there a way to get Google drive files moved to Dropbox or OneDrive quickly? So, For those that aren't familiar with why this is a a question that we're concerned about now is because, yes, Google did announce earlier this year that they will be implementing drive storage limits. That's not been the case Um, for many years. We've had unlimited drive storage for educational accounts. That is no longer the case. as of when is it next year? I can't remember the date now when that's going to switch, but we're going to now have very generous limits. It's not like it's going to be real tight, very, very generous limits um, on how much data we can store on an educational account. But yeah, it's going to be a possible issue for folks if they've been throwing, let's say, a lot of videos into their drive. I think that would be probably the biggest offender of that because, you know, no matter what I saved in my drive, I can't imagine anything much bigger than a video. Um, And so if you've been saying, oh, I just save all my videos to drive because then we don't have to put them on YouTube and worry about, you know, exactly what we've been talking about, advertisements and so forth. Well, unfortunately, if you've been using drive as a storage place for all those videos, yeah, your account might be you know, closer to that limit. Now, my understanding is Google is going to be giving us some admin console tools that will let us, before this becomes implemented and these restrictions go in place, they're going to give us a lot of admin console reports that will let us be able to see where are the biggest files and do we have accounts that are in danger of running out of space. And so that will help with that. Um, But I'm curious um, what you guys have done um, to address that. Now, Stephanie, I know you chatted in the spring about wanting to um, address some of that with uh, especially videos. Do you want to speak to that?
1: Um, So just talking about like adding videos to YouTube can just help your drive space. So I've been doing that. You can make them private, unlisted. Google also allowed if you're using your school account, you can just have your domain um, review that video. So you don't have to worry because I know everybody's like biggest concern with YouTube is it's going to be public. It's going to be out there, but that's not the case. Um, So I can actually link my session from the Spark um, conference that I did on YouTube. So I'll add that in there. Also, Drive Sweeper, so Clay um, Smith, he's amazing. He created an extension that you go in and you add this extension right into your drive. You click this button and then you add a date. So you pick whatever date you want and it will sweep everything in your drive from that date. So if you haven't opened a document since maybe 2016, it's probably time to delete it. Um, So he just kind of, he created this extension for you to able to do that. I feel like Google will come out with something as well because if you have Google Photos, they... Um, they pick up using the AI and they're like, this is clutter. Do you need this clutter? And it's usually yeah. like screenshots that I've taken right. at school, like just to quickly send it to my email. So that way I remember, hey, I need to put in a help desk ticket for this. Or I saw this idea on Twitter and then I no longer need it um, after maybe I implemented or something. So it will tell me you you don't need this. Um, so I'm hoping Google does the same type of thing. Like you haven't opened this document. Do you still need it? And then you can just hit like delete or whatever um, search your untitled documents. There's a lot of times I do a lot of trainings and I don't title it. So maybe just go in and delete those, just search using the search bar in Google drive. Um, Google put out an understanding the storage. Um, so right here, it's like a PDF and it talks about, um, Oh, let me fix that. It talks about different storage options that, you might want to look at and it's also by organization um so it's not just you it's your whole organization that has to reach a certain number and then it just kind of gives some helpful advice for um looking at your storage and just kind of what you should do and what to look at Um, when i went in this spring um eric can you go to your google drive yeah sure so this spring, I went to my Google Drive and I—I I have to remember what I did because I don't do it often. I clicked um, down at the where it says storage over on the side. Yep, right there. Okay. And you can see what files are taking up the most space.
0: Oh wow! And so Look I used that. that
1: information and I saw okay those two documents that are Ooh. red are videos. I'm going to download those and upload them to YouTube. And in YouTube, you're able to download your videos. So if I needed to go back and download it and use it somewhere else, I have that ability. So I just did that. I went in and I took all my videos, downloaded them, and then I went into YouTube, uploaded them, and then I deleted them off my drive once they were all good. Um, So again, you can see what is taking up the most space in your drive. And that will help you quickly get rid of those big files. And some of it is like... I don't know. Those three at the top are yeah, the same are, documents. Yeah, do you need these, all three of the same documents? I don't,
0: don't need any of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I don't know if you guys remember Cloud Ready. That's, uh, yeah. that, they're awesome. They're the ones that do the um, uh, version of Chrome OS that you can load onto mm-hmm. like, old laptops to give them life. Uh, apparently, I've got, you know, the... Uh, The executables to install that in my drive and didn't even realize that. My gosh, look at all the space that's
1: using up. So, right there, Um, you can kind of go in and you can see, okay, that's a duplicate. Like, why? I don't need two of these. I just need one. Um, So, just looking at that and kind of saying, okay, what is similar, what's not, um, and going through your drive that way really helped me. Awesome. Um, Another idea is if you're an IT person and you've got access to that Google Admin console. Um, our IT department, they emailed out staff who are over a hundred gigabytes, I believe. Okay. Um, so just send out an email to those and just say, Hey, here's some ideas, add your videos to YouTube, add, um, go through your videos by clicking that storage and just kind of seeing what you have. Um, so that could be another option.
0: Great suggestions there. So yeah, um... Very good. Yeah, I think this is something we're all going to be looking at over the coming months. It hasn't become real yet. Uh, I don't remember when. It's sometime next year. I think maybe even next summer when this goes into if we look at the last agenda. I know we've got information in there about this uh, change, but uh, I think we'll probably be good to get ahead of it. This would be a good time to start getting people thinking about cleaning up their drives for that, again, I think video is going to be one of the biggest things. So I think that idea, yes, of moving videos over to YouTube, and your point is very important there, Stephanie. If people say, "Well, I don't know that I want something just sitting out there on YouTube where everybody can view it," you're allowed to put it there and just make it unlisted. That way, again, people won't accidentally come across it. They're going to have to, you know, have the link to be able to see it, and that's still a great way to. Uh, store the video. And there's no limits on YouTube yet. <laughs> so probably a good place to put things. Awesome. Thanks. Good, good stuff. Oh, and I just see if we had one more question here about new security policies in Google Drive. And should we be concerned about the, the links? And is it worth going back and changing these? I believe I know what you're talking about here. Um, so this was something that has applied to Google Drive, but also um, this has impacted YouTube. It's impacted a couple of things that Google is going back and they are adding, uh, they're updating the way files are are shared to give better security for them. And so what they've done is... Um, they've gone back and I can't remember what the date was for files that were older than a certain date. If they were shared um, as, you know, viewable through the link, um, some of them have gotten changed. Same thing with YouTube. Um, And let's see here. It says starting July 26th. You can see if this impacts any of your files. Um, So no, I don't, think I've got a whole lot to add to that. I think that's one that probably I'm going to need to dig into a little bit deeper to give any intelligent response to. That's kind of the the sum of my knowledge there was that they went through and they retroactively changed the security on some of the older files. I saw this more on YouTube where it was like anything before 2016 or something, any video that was listed as unlisted, is going to be changed to private unless you want to switch it back. And this was a similar thing with Drive. I don't know, Stephanie or John, did you, did you have any input? I looked at my
2: that? files and, and they always appeared to be uh, files that weren't like Google files and they weren't PDFs, but they were other documents that uh, you use in other programs on your computer that you're storing on Google as a, um, using it as a storage place. And so when I looked at my list of affected files, they were all sort of non-Google type files. All right. So unfortunately,
0: no, I don't have anything to add to that discussion, but thank you for the link there. It looks like this link has some pretty good FAQ questions on there, Uh, probably a good one to take a little closer look at um, because, yeah. It looks like, do they have a date on here? Can I change whether to apply the update after? Well, August 25th was yesterday. <laughs> so it uh, looks like we can continue to modify an update after that uh, time if need be. All right. And anything else here? Oh, has anybody done the Google Certified Coach program? I have not. Have
1: you guys done that, John or Stephanie? I have. Um, it's really good. So if you are an instructional coach or tech coach, um, it walks through the coaching cycle. Um, so it talks about how you would do like one on one coaching. And it's different from Google Trainer because with Google Trainer, you it's whole group PD. So 20 or more teachers or five or whatever, more teachers, but coaching is really focused on that one-on-one. So you need a hundred hours, which is really easy. If you are an instructional coach, if you're not in your classroom teacher, uh, it might be a little bit more difficult to achieve, but I think you can still do it. I had a couple of friends that are teachers, but they want to become coaches. So they went through this program. Um, it gives you really good language to know, okay, what is a coaching cycle? What is it? Because you quickly learn when you become a coach, there's not a whole lot of support um it's kind of just you and you're like uh either alone or there's just a couple of you in your district and so you can get really really isolated very quickly and so through this program i uh met some friends and through the this is kind of a separate program but they help you get through it it's with global gg um it's called the ec open chat and it's just a chat that happens every single month there's a couple different cohorts so you can join on the next one if um I don't know when their last sign up has been, but you meet other coaches that are going through the curriculum as well. And you're able to throw out questions that are, um, very specific to coaching. So maybe you're like, okay, who does a n- newsletter? Who does, um, how do you track your data? How do you, um, share your resources with teachers, how, like all these different problems in education. Um, And then with that certified coaches program, it walks you through the coaching cycle. Um, It's really focused on Jamie McGeira's work when she was a coach in Chicago city schools, I want to say. And so it focuses on the teacher's needs. What is the teacher struggling with? What is their biggest gripe? And then you walk through and you kind of brainstorm different ideas together. You implement them by co-teaching. And then after that, you kind of reflect and you restart the cycle over and over again. So again, I think it's totally worthwhile. I learned a lot. I was able to learn different language. So when I am talking at district office and those meetings of why is a coach important, I'm able to support it with backup research in a PLN that's able to help me as well. So if you are a coach, do it.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that personal insight uh, into that. That is great. Good stuff. All right, guys. Well, I believe that gets us to the end of the agenda. I'm going to go ahead and scroll back up through and see if anything else has been added in since um, we went through these. And I'm not seeing anything else in there at the moment. Let's go back up to our uh upcoming uh, events and see if anything got put in there. Nope, I don't Don't see anything new. So I think that gets us to the end. So let's do this. I'll do a little bit of a wrap up here. And then um, Stephanie and John, if you notice anything else in the chat that we need to address, um, we'll give a, a moment to, to look at that as well. But as we begin to wrap up, just want to first of all thank everybody so much for being here today. We appreciate you taking the time, either live or recorded. If you're watching this recording in the future, just want to remind you if you didn't get a chance to sign in, that we do ask on page two of the agenda, highlighted in green, the sign-in form. We do ask that you please take a moment to fill that out. That will allow us to send you a certificate of attendance for the session as well as allows us to collect numbers. We don't send your email into Google, but we do uh, collect the numbers of how many people attended so that we can report that. Um, We want to remind you to um, look for our next date, our next month, uh, which I believe if we head out to bit.ly slash GEG Ohio and we look at the upcoming uh, uh, meetings is September 30th. So I don't have the agenda or the link in there for that yet. We usually create that uh, afterwards. So But um, at the moment, September 30th is um, our next scheduled one. I don't have any other dates on there just yet. I know we all need to kind of compare some notes here on our end. There are some dates that um, I think we all may have some different obligations. So uh, give us a little bit of time and we'll figure out what the rest of the schedule looks like for the year. But typically, it should be usually the last Thursday of the month tends to be uh, when we have these. Awesome. Well, oh, hey, look at that. We've got, (laughs) what a nice picture. (laughs) Thanks so much for including that in there. Um, All right. So as we go to wrap up, John, Stephanie, anything else that you wanted to uh, share or uh, uh, address?
2: I'm just going to say words of encouragement to everybody. Um, Try one thing new, just, um, but keep coming back to, to this document because there's all different kinds of ideas and uh, try one new thing each week and then you will have tried four things by the time we meet again.
0: Love
1: it. I love that, John. That's a great idea.
0: All right. Anything else from you, Stephanie, before we wrap up?
1: Um, We will add the audio to the podcast. So if you are wanting or you know a friend that's really busy and you're like, hey, we want you to listen, they can listen wherever if they're working out or whatever they're doing. And yeah, what John said, Um, I really love what he said. And have a great back to the school year. If you haven't started yet or if you have, I hope it's going well. And again, feel free to reach out to us or the Google group. If you have any questions or any needs or whatever is going on, let us know.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks again so much. Thanks to Stephanie and John for being with us today and sharing such great resources. And thank you guys all for uh, joining as well, participating in the chat. And uh, we do wish you a wonderful start to the school year. See you guys next month.